Welcome to Ultiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book Ultiverse. Now in podcast form, I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're talking about some Ultimate X-Men. And some Ultimate X-Men slash Fantastic Four. And some Ultimate Fantastic Four slash Ultimate X-Men. And then also some Ultimate Dating. Featuring the X-Men. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Yes, Ultimate Dating, my favorite Marvel Ultimate Universe crossover. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is a pretty tasty drink. What you drinking, Luke? Uh, I have a signature mocha coca latte. Nice. Mm-hmm. Luke, but it's pumpkin spice season. Get on that. I don't think that Dunkin' Donuts does as well of a pumpkin spice Drink? Oh, I forgot you went to Duncan. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll occasionally imbibe a pumpkin spiced frappuccino from Starbucks. Uh, this morning, it was like I was running late, and there was a Duncan near my house. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, but yeah, this week we are talking about Ultimate X Men numbers sixty one through sixty five, Magnetic North. Ultimate X-Men Fantastic Four and Ultimate Fantastic Four X-Men. Both of those are number ones. And then Ultimate Spider-Manual, number one. And we actually hit a like good level of comics. Quality books right here. Uh-huh. Like, nothing was sort of that uh, badness that we've been expecting. Like, even Brian K. Vaughn actually is like, oh, this is why people like Brian K. Vaughn. Exactly. Yeah, like all the comics are surprisingly good this week, and we see why Brian K. Vaughn was like, oh yeah, I know how to write the X-Men. It just takes a lot of weird questions to get through to that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ultimate X-Men, Volume 1, number 61 through 65, Magnetic North, was written by Brian K. Vaughn, with pencils by Stuart Eminent, inks by Wade Von Vrawbadger, Colors by Paul Mounts and Justin Ponsor with letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Charles Xavier meets with Wolverine to talk about how Nick Fury had saved him from Lady Deathstrike, but Wolverine is cagey about why Fury saved him and their background. The conversation then switches to Xavier's cat, Mystique, who's named after someone who Xavier previously dated, which... That's weird. It's like getting the tattoo of your girlfriend on you. Except for... It's alive. Yeah. And you could have just easily renamed it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when it got introduced, Mark Millar was like, oh, maybe this is the cat. And Xavier made Mystique think that she is a cat. Which would have been a classic Charles move. Mm-hmm. Rather than this, where then Brian K. Vaughn's like, let's make it weird. Yeah, let's make Xavier make a lot of weird choices. Like, I have notes specifically for every weird thing that rereading this to take notes made me want to point out. Nice. Uh, Meanwhile, Kitty Pride, Shadowcat, interrupts the team of the Danger Room and reveals that Iceman has been emailing Rogue, and she considers this cheating on her, which is fair, so she breaks up with Iceman again. The breakup in turn frustrates Scott Summers, Cyclops, who wants him to be training as he watches on from the control room. 
The conversation leads Jean Grey to ask Cyclops if he dated anyone else before her. And he mentions that there was one other person, which, again, this seems like something that if they've been dating for a while, would have been discussed before. And that's when Scott Summers turned the danger room up to Max just to end his own life, because he did not want to be having this conversation. <laughs> and then coincidentally, at the same time, at Emma Frost Academy of Tomorrow, Lorna Dane, Polaris, and Alex Summers, Havoc, a.k.a. Scott's brother, who was dating Polaris, welcome Roberto da Costa to their school. Longtime viewers may remember Roberto from almost being killed well, no, from being angry at the X-Men when they were trying to stop Mr. Sinister from killing people. Uh, Roberto notices that Jeopardy! champion Doug Ramsey is also there. Uh, Marvel Wikia, update your damn page on Doug Ramsey, because he is here again. And then Emma Frost explains that the school welcomes anyone with extraordinary abilities, not just mutants. That is when Jean-Paul Bobier, North Star who we previously saw almost getting shot by Sinister, runs to alert them of a major alarm. So Havoc and Polaris leave to handle that. The duo show up at a fire where Polaris's magnetic powers start going haywire and she ends up killing the firemen there, forcing Havoc to knock her out. Because Havoc loves firemen. That he does. He loves to see the men in uniform. Mm-hmm. Nick Fury is alerted to the situation is reminded that the only place where he can hold her is at the Triskelion in the cell where Magneto currently is. In the Savage Land, Longshot is caught by Scarlet Witch, and the two end up fighting with her, eventually turning him into a cat so she can catch him for Nick Fury to be delivered to the Triskelion as well. Which is fucking weird. Anytime you have a problem in the Ultimate Universe, you turn it into a cat. You got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. That cat is going to... I... Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. <laughs> It's weird because this is like a hyper-specific use of powers that we've seen from Scarlet Witch that is more than just luck. Yeah. And once again, Longshot's powers make no sense. Agreed. Back at the scene of the fire, however, Havoc is very upset that Emma's letting S.H.I.E.L.D. just take Polaris, who wakes up shortly after in the metal-free cell with Magneto as Quicksilver watches on angrily. Emma follows up with Charles, and she thinks her dream has failed again, and talks about Polaris being locked up with Magneto, which they decide to keep secret from their students. Unknown to them, though, Havoc, Northstar, Sam Guthrie, a.k.a. Cannibal, Roberto, and Doug Ramsey are listening in on an interceptor that Doug has built. Havoc wants to break her out and threatens the rest of the team into following him when they show doubt. Back um, in the wait, wait. Network. If Longshot has luck powers and Scarlet Witch manipulates probability, do you think that Longshot just really wanted to become a kitty cat? Probably. Okay. We'll table that for now. We'll see if that comes back up. Brian? With having love powers, have we ever seen in any comic um, him go up against Black Cat? Longshot? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there might have been something in Longshot uh, saves the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. Just because she has I her bad luck powers versus his good luck powers. Mm-hmm. They both control probability. Yeah. But improbably, I don't think they've met. That would make sense. I took a victory sip. Back in the Triskelion, Magneto brings up Frost's relationship with Xavier to Polaris and how he sees everything in black and white. 
Xavier brings the team together to talk about Polaris, which is when Cyclops reveals that he previously had dated her and that he doesn't believe that she would lose control of her powers. But also, Cyclops, you've seen Jean lose control of her powers, so why not? Very true. Anyway, Xavier lets them know that they need to stop Havoc and his team, breaking them into groups of Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Storm, Wolverine, and Shadowcat, finding them in the X-Wing to stop them before they reach New York City, while Colossus, Marvel Girl, and Iceman will form a defense, and Angel and Dazzler are still grounded for saving Longshot and are expected to hang back. Meanwhile, back near the fire, Magnetic Power Disruptor is loaded into a van by Forge and a shapeshifter who goes by the name Mystique. Do you think this could be the cat? Potentially. What if there were two mystiques in the universe and one of them just is stuck as a cat and Xavier was unaware? Well, I was going to say, how do you think? Maybe that's how Mystique knows all of Xavier's plans. <laughs> I mean, that would make a lot more sense. But... No one suspects the cat. Gene goes into Scott's memories of his time with Polaris, which Cyclops doesn't want to do. She asks if he'd try to break Polaris out, and he gets angry and raises the question about why she's spending so much time with Xavier. And then he apologizes, because you don't want to fuck with the Phoenix. Fury, Fury, meanwhile, brings Longshot into the prison where Lady Deathstrike and Sinister are also in cells, because... I gotta put them in the jails, Luke. <sighs> yeah, but you've got a guy who, if he escapes, is going to be able to free everybody else. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if it did, it seems like a bad crew to have together. True. Magneto, meanwhile, tries to equate his killing of humans with the nuking of Japan. And Polaris, still upset about the murders that she believes were caused by her powers, cries. Oh, Polaris. On the way from Chicago, Nightcrawler appears on Havoc's car, causing him to crash, but they get out fine and start to fight with Northstar knocking out Kitty while Havoc and Cyclops prepare to face off until Havoc beams Cyclops out with a uh, tire iron. Tire iron's the only thing stronger than brothers. Mm hmm. And Angel and Dazzler snuck out to look to try and, like, keep an eye on their own, but then they get horny and make on the air instead that they do which they're going to have a lot of people looking because like dazzler was shooting off light energy at the time it's weird mm-hmm. so north star ends up uh taking havoc with him which mystique sees commenting on how this is all part of their plan and cyclops lets the defensive team to know to look out which is when the ultimates Captain America, Iron Man, Wasp, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Black Widow in her Iron Man suit show up. And, yeah, it's, it is a weird choice to bring the Ultimates in here. And, because, like, we see stuff that just is very poorly thought out. There is such a difference between how like Mark Millar and uh, like, especially how Mark Millar writes Nick Fury and how everybody else does. Yeah. Because Fury's shield and ultimates wouldn't have some of the stuff that comes up later happening here. But uh, Vaughn is like, eh, it's all, it's all Kabuki baby. 
Mm-hmm. And then back in Chicago at the Academy of Tomorrow, Doug, who was in trouble and didn't go on the mission, digs up video of Mystique and Forge planting the magnetic power disruptor and shares it with Emma, who calls Fury to let him know that Polaris didn't kill all those firemen. The Ultimates tell the X-Men to leave. The X-Men refuse and then Quicksilver reveals that Polaris is in a cell with Magneto, which he thought that Xavier would have told his team, which Xavier, you really should have told him that. Oh, 100%. But back in the cell, Magneto is confident that he will be freed and offers Polaris a chance to leave with him, but she refuses. And so Magneto attacks her with the chair, which Quicksilver misses because he's not doing his job. And apparently he couldn't get anyone else to watch the security footage. Norstar arrives outside of the Triskelia and get the X-Men and Ultimates to fight each other. Meanwhile, Forge and Mystique work to break into the X-Men, which Angel and Dazzler see. Uh, you said X-Men. Instead of prison. Whatever. Maybe they're, they're breaking into the X-Men's mind, Luke. You can just do a second run on that, please. Amateurs do two takes, Luke. I do one. Uh, but you know who else does two takes, Devin? Who, Luke? Jonathan Frakes, two takes Frakes. That's fair. Also, Papa George does it, too. Only two takes. And then he goes whichever one's better. <laughs> Meanwhile, Forge and Mystique work to break into the prison, which Angel and Dazzler see. When the Ultimates and X-Men fight resolves, Colossus tries to tell Havoc to step down, but he refuses. In the cell, Forge and Mystique take out the guards, free Magneto, and then turn off the power in the prison as Magneto causes an EMP, freeing all the other prisoners. As the Brotherhood prepares to leave, Magneto tells Mystique it is her time to sacrifice. (gasps) Lady Deathstrike, who overheard Dazzler talk about being an X-Men, stabs through her as she and Angel had snuck in. Luckily, Longshot ends up breaking Deathstrike's neck, returning the X-Men or er, returning the favor to the X-Men and Angel leaves with her while Longshot gets caught up by Essex. Outside, Magneto and Forge escape with Polaris still unconscious as Havoc reaches the island, followed by Gene, Cyclops, and other X-Men show up in the jet, which Magneto immediately explodes. <laughs> the X-Men work together to survive, and Gene controls Forge, who is holding Polaris, but Magneto, who still has his helmet, which they shouldn't have kept in the same room, Threatens to kill Havoc, so Cyclops blasts through his brother, knocking out Magneto because mutant sibling powers don't really seem to affect one another sometimes. It's very much like the sort of sloppy writing that we've gotten from Brian K. Vaughn, but I feel like here it feels a lot more satisfying. Yeah. Like, we had to go through a while of just like, oh, we're going to introduce new characters so I can make you care about them. Mm Mm-hmm. And now it pays off, but it's also like there is at least like two trades of, yeah, why do we care about this? Why is this not good? Because we don't. Mm hmm. Fury lands afterwards with the Howling Commandos and Cyclops tries to get Fury to not arrest Polaris. But Fury reveals that he is actually there for Havoc, who calls the entire situation sort of. Wolverine shows up and threatens to reveal to the media about that kid that he killed for Fury, and Fury accepts the deal, but ends his relationship with the X-Men and S.H.I.E.L.D. just before Angel shows up asking for someone to help Dazzler. Dazzler ends up in a coma. I know, I know, it's very serious. And while Angel is visiting her, Xavier tells Angel that he's being publicly expelled from the school. 
But secretly, Charles wants him to go and be a sleeper agent at the Academy of Tomorrow to watch over Emma's students because Charles Xavier does not trust Emma. And instead of treating her like an adult and not in a sexual way, he is going to be duplicitous because Charles Xavier is an asshole. Fuck yeah, Daddy Charles. Like, this is where they should really be working together. Uh, but uh, Angel agrees if in return Charles promises to care for Dazzler. Meanwhile, Nightcrawler over here is Colossus accepting Northstar's invitation to go to Homecoming, which bothers Nightcrawler because Ultimate Nightcrawler is homophobic because they wanted to make a story about, oh, even minorities can be bad about identity politics and it's a weird take on Kurt being religious and Jesus. I remembered where this goes and I Brian, what you doing? What you doing, Brian? Uh, Rogue appears back at the mansion still stuck with Gambit's powers. Emma Frost goes to visit Magneto back in the cell at the Triskelion to say that Magneto failed, but we see that it is actually Mystique in the cell and elsewhere, Magneto and Longshot have escaped and are preparing to start on a new plan. Like, there's a lot of gaps. And I want to see the part where it's like, oh, hey, you know how we had like all the security footage in here and everything? Uh, let's go and watch that video to see where like Magneto is talking about his plan to escape. Or uh, where uh, Magneto and or where Mystique becomes a duplicate. And, like, remember early on in, like, that X-Men half issue where it was like, oh, we're going to make a big show of moving Magneto's helmet far away and his kids are going to try and steal it and then realize that's a bad thing to do? Mm-hmm. Why would they put that in the same fucking place where Magneto is alive? Yeah, who knows? Brian! Why wouldn't they just melt it? There. I mean... That you could probably argue that Fury wants it reverse engineered so that he can be safe from Charles' mind powers. Oh, fair. But then really at that stage in the game, why is Nick Fury not just wearing it all the time? Maybe he is not actually bald and he just has a very tiny head. It makes his head look normal sized. That's fair. We then have Ultimate X-Men Fantastic Four. Ultimate Fantastic Four X-Men, which is... Captured in the trade as Ultimate X4. And while I get why Marvel Unlimited does this, uh, it is very weird to go on and uh-huh. have to open up two separate pages. And also the last time that I went on, uh, Ultimate X-Men Fantastic Four was no longer on Unlimited where you could read it for free, which is very weird. Very. I had to pay a dollar and like change to get that. Uh, So that is where your Patreon money goes to. Uh, Ultimate X4 was written by Mike Carey with art by Pasquale Ferry and and Leo Let's try that again, Luke. The writer on this was Mike Carey. I think he is really scary. I do not like Tom and Jerry. Art was by Pasquale Ferry and Leo Francis Yu. With colors by Dave McKagan, Paul Mouse, Rob Schwager, Guru EFX, and June Chunk. Lives by Chris Eliopoulos. How was that? That was good. 
Charles wakes up at night after being messaged by an alien general who asks for help, saying a ship will crash with destructive Sun Eater level mutants and they need help holding them off. Xavier, along with the team, minus Iceman, Kitty, and Wolverine, prepare to head off on the mission, though Iceman is not happy about being left behind. It turns out that this was actually a distraction by Rona Birdchill, who had previously attacked the Baxter building. She set up this opportunity so she could sneak in to steal Cerebro. She comes prepared with the tech that she uses to knock out Iceman and Kitty, but Wolverine takes her by surprise until she kicks him in the balls and escapes. She then infects Wolverine with the retrovirus and vanishes with Cerebro. Meanwhile, the X-Men believe the Fantastic Four are to blame, and since S.H.I.E.L.D. cut them out, they have no way to reach out to contact them. Wolverine dealing with the virus is also suspicious about the Fantastic Four having members to justify all the specific ways that the trio was defeated by Rona, and they are also unable to reach the rest of the X-Men. Wolverine, knowing the Cerebro tech is dangerous in the wrong hands, plans to fight his way to the Baxter building. Meanwhile, Johnny and the Thing are fighting as the X-Men infiltrate, but they quickly bump into Reed Richards. Wolverine, dealing with the loss of senses, is frustrated that he can't tell if Reed is innocent or not, and Reed attacks after being threatened. Rona, around that time, shows up to the buyer demanding double what they offered because of the danger that she faced, but once she takes some money, she kills all of them, being aim handlers who had hired her and plans to rewrite the minds of everybody on the planet using Cerebro. And I do like how Mike Carey keeps bringing aim into things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X-Men. The X-Men are losing the fight as the rest of the Fantastic Four join in, and as Kitty gets knocked out, Rona activates Cerebro. The other X-Men who went with Charles realize that they were duped, and they find that New York City is now a psychic dead zone. Rona starts psychically killing soldiers to prove that she can, and the two teams realize they have to work together. Reed is able to make a cure for Wolverine's retrovirus, sets the X-Men suits to hide them from Rona, and Kitty tries to hit on Reed, which is weird because he's like 18 at this point and she's 14 or something. Mm-hmm. Professor. St- oh, well, and then Sue calls her a skank. Classic Sue. Which is also kind of weird. Uh, Professor Storm tries to have them call the Ultimates in, but Sue points out that it would be dangerous if the Ultimates fell under Rona's control, so it has to be them. Bobby and Johnny attack from the sky, Sue and Kitty sneak in, and Reed and Ben stay back for the time being, and Wolverine is missing. Rona makes Iceman attack Johnny, and then stops Kitty and Sue from being able to attack her when they infiltrate the base, and then she finally makes the thing attack Reed. But Reed ended up putting defenses in all of their psychic shields, though, so when Rona hacked into them, she ended up developing empathy for everybody she was controlling, which at this point was like all of New York City. Rona, worried about losing her drive, sets off to nuke the city, but Wolverine shows up because he sabotaged her ship, so it explodes when she tries to drive it, killing her, presumably. Probably. The teams reconvene and then head home, having saved the world as the X-Men who left to deal with the fake alien also get back from their mission. The ending feels really weird and rushed. Yes. It's like, oh, Wolverine killed her. Oh, hey, we're all heading home now. And half the team's like, man, we sure took care of them aliens. Making up lies the entire time to save face. (laughs) Those fake titty aliens. Because that was the other thing, is like, oh, look at this topless alien who Charles was talking to. She mm-hmm. has no pips. Yep. Basically, the other half of the team was uh, the Planet Express crew. 
with a we were sent to deliver this pizza to Dog Do Eleven, but the universe ends at Dog Do Nine. Uh, last, we have Ultimate Spider-Man Annual Number One, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with pencils by Mark Brooks, inks by Jamie Mendoza, finishes by Scott Hanna, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Kitty Pride of the X-Men is feeling frustrated, being stuck as a princess in a danger room simulation, and leaves. While in New York, Spider-Man faces the Rhino, a man in a robotic suit. He ultimately deactivates the suit, but the military tries to bring him in, so Spider-Man runs off. And I don't remember, but this was around the time that the Ultimate Spider-Man video game came out, right? Oh, it totally was. Because if I remember, one of the big things was it was like, oh, we're going to introduce Ultimate Rhino in this game. Yeah, and it was awesome. That was a good fight. Yeah, I never played that, but it was one of those weird things I remember watching G4 and them talking about it. Do you remember mm-hmm. game G4? Oh, totally. How do, how do you think those people... How do you think about... How do you think those people who got the free G4 tattoos feel now? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, for those of you who are too young or don't remember, when G4 launched, it was the network for gamers. And at, I believe it was E3, they were offering free video game themed tattoos with the G4 logo on it for anybody to basically say, oh yeah, I'm going to want to stick to this brand forever. That totally will still exist like 10 years later. I mean, I think it still might, but it went into some weird places. Let's look up what is going on with G four. I thought it. I thought. Oh it no! It closed four, four years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, twenty fourteen. So almost five years ago, this very night. Woo! Yes. But uh, yeah. So Peter and Kitty are still dealing with complicated emotions and feeling like left out losers. If you forget, Peter decided to call it quits with MJ and now she's dating the lead singer of the Molten Men. Mm -hmm. So Kitty talks to Jean about boyfriends and she ends up deciding to reach out to Peter Parker and asks him on a date eventually. And he is interested. So they make plans together. The next day after they meet at school, though, and head to the mall, they go to the food court. They talk about mutants, how they both know Johnny Storm, Peter trying to be better, and life being complicated. Kitty talks about her frustrations living with Iceman, but when Flash and Kenny uh, keep being jerks, they decide to leave for the roof of the mall, and they talk about how they both hate Nicholas Fury, which... Team talk! Yeah, I do love how it's like, oh yeah, it's a good thing we've had these miniseries where we've both crossed over with the same people. Mm -hmm. I hate that guy in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's a jerk. We cut to Nick Fury at a surveillance camera. A single tear rolling down from his eye patch. (laughs) Please don't teen bully Nick Fury. That is his weakness. Fury pulls out his teleporting gun. (laughs) When Kitty tries to ask Peter about dating by bringing up that he wants to date people who can protect themselves. She gets nervous and runs off until working up the courage to try talking again. They almost kiss, but hear a nearby emergency. So Peter suits up a Spider-Man and takes Kitty with him. 
They stop the shocker who is robbing a bank when Kitty distracts him by being intangible and disrupts his gauntlets, and then Spider webs him up, and they swing off together. Uh, do you want to try that again? You just said Spider webs him up. And then Spidey webs him up, and they swing off together. <laughs> they flirt some more, but the X-Men show up to take Kitty home, and they decide they want to date, and they make plans, and then kiss, and then the two head home to keep talking online. Love to have teens communicating over email romantically. Aw, yeah. It is like a genuinely great relationship for both Mm -hmm. of them. And it also keeps with Kitty's rule of only dating men with names that are based on Peter. Well, she dated Iceman. Did she, though? In In both universes, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that wraps us up for the recaps this week. Like, everything felt easy to read, mm-hmm. which is nice. And everything was, like, fun and well. I had a lot of weird points that I called out for uh, the Ultimate X-Men. Like, everything here is pretty decent. But uh, now we have three stories to rank on the list. So are you ready, Devin? Let's do it. Up first, we have Ultimate X-Men Magnetic North. And uh, ooh, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate War? It's better than Ultimate War. I'd agree. I, I think it's a lot more enjoyable than uh, Ultimate Fantastic for the Fantastic. I agree. How do you feel about it compared to the End Zone? I think the End Zone made more sense overall. I would agree, too. So then does it go above or below Ultimate Spider-Man Detention? Above. All right. So our new number 16 is Ultimate X-Men Volume 1 Magnetic North. And that's issues 61 through 65. Brian, you made it up there. Good job, buddy. Mm -hmm. We believed in you. Not really. Luke didn't. Uh, We then have Ultimate X-4, which... I think it still had some weaknesses, but it was infinitely better than the previous Mad Thinker Rona Bertrand story. Because that is currently number 67 out of 76. I was going to say, wasn't that hard, though. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if I want to put it above. Like, I don't think it's even close to uh, what we had just ranked Magnetic North. It's still a middle. How there. do you feel? Yeah. I don't think it's better than Ultimate Fantastic Four Doom. No. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to uh, Ultimate X-Men World Tour? Worse. Uh, Ultimate Hobgoblin. Worse. Well, I don't think it's Ultimate Strange good. Um, Okay, I think President Thor is a good place to compare it to. It's a good place. Uh, Because right above that is New Mutants, which is similarly mixed. I think Ultimate or President Thor is a lot more enjoyable. I would agree. Uh, So then, is it better or worse than the Marvel Zombies Fantastic Four? Better. All right. So our new number 41 is Ultimate X4, 
Ultimate X4. And then last, we have Ultimate Spider-Man Annual number one, more than you bargained for. Scroll up for this one. Scroll up for this one. Okay. Uh, how do we feel about it compared to Sidetracked, the Ultimate Spider-Man one-shot? I think it's better than Sidetracked. I think so, too. Uh, we above that have Public Scrutiny and then Hollywood at our number one spot. Uh, scrutiny is the Gwen Stacy's dad dies via Spider-Man ah, clone. Fair. I'd say it's better than that. Yeah, but not as good as uh, Hollywood. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, because, I mean, here we understand uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, and we get introduced to Kitty Pride in a good way. There's heroics. Like, it is altogether an excellent one-shot. So that's our new number one, Devin. Me number two? Or our new number two. New number two. Yeah. And it's a one-shot gag, which means you can easily just jump on that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could also easily accidentally ignore that, which I think would be ridiculous since it was Bendo writing mm-hmm. that. So, uh, Devin, you know what we have next? What's that, Luke? We got a question. It came from Andrew, who is Hakus Blockus on the Twitter. What other franchise would be improved by Bendis kicking down the door and demanding that Kitty Pride join the cast? That's my Andrew impression. I was on his show this week. That will be going up soon. Nice. Mm-hmm. Are you just talking Marvel teams? I, he did not define that further. I'm going to say Superman. She would make Superman better. Mm-hmm. Like, even her just being a teen on the uh, Daily Planet staff. You know what? I think it's time for her to to make uh, Bruce's frown turn upside down. She should become a new Robin. Actually, yeah, I, I would not mind that. I thought you were going to say Bruce Banner, because she could also work pretty well with, like, the Hulk as a side character. Oh, that too. Uh, yeah, so we hope that answers your question. Andrew, uh, thank you for sending in that question to our Twitter at MultiversalQ. And now, Devin. Guess, Luke. I'm betting you don't, but do you want to have any guesses on what we are covering next time on Multiversal Q? Ultimates? Uh, nope. Damn. We are covering some Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate X-Men. Uh, <gasps> uh, we're, we're bringing in some Silver Sable. Oh. <gasps> And we're also, oh yeah, that Silver Sable one runs for a while. Nice. I did not look at these ahead of time to find out uh, how long these stories are. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to be dealing with Ultimate. Oh, oh, oh no, Devin. Oh no, Devin. Oh no, what, Luke? (sighs) Uh, We're dealing with Ultimate Silver Sable and then Ultimate Deadpool. Oh boy. Yeah, you know how kids all love Deadpool, the wacky mercenary with the mouthinary. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're dealing with Ultimate X-Men. Uh, looks like there's going to be a date night. And then Phoenix. <gasps> so, uh, yeah, you got that to look forward to. And also along with that. Oh, yep. Yeah, no, it's just date night in Phoenix. It's It's going to be some weird times. It's going to be some weird times. 
But uh, Devin. Yes, Luke. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at FredoFet. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg. That's K-L-T-R-E-G. And also, on uh, next Sunday when those episodes go up, I will be at a catacon in Dayton. Well, actually, that Saturday I'll be at a catacon running some one shots. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Coltrag. You can find both of us on the Exod podcast, which is wrapping up this upcoming November. Uh, I have nine of the 12 one shot specials that we're doing prepped to go. And we have like four more episodes, three more episodes to tape. So we're getting to the end and then the annuals, but that's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, Ultiverse Q is a alternating weekly podcast unless there are movies that come out and there's not movies for a while. There is our Christmas special that's coming up. So get excited for that. And yeah, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review. Uh, consider donating to the Patreon. We'll have some new review. Uh, we'll have some new reward tiers coming out. And I think that wraps us up for this week. So, Devin. Yes, Luke. I'll catch you next time on the flip mode. Peace. Peace.